So in this episode, you're going to learn some very useful tips in getting an apartment in the UK. Also, where to get relatively cheap apartment and some websites. Hello, I am Progress Oberico, a writer, coach and an international student's ambassador. This is the International Student's podcast. It is a platform for sharing stories and exclusive information for international students across the world, prospective international students, and essentially anyone moving or living abroad. This is to help people tackle challenges and also to share opportunities that they need. You'll be hearing from international students studying in various universities across the world, experts and professionals sharing knowledge on what you need to know when moving abroad, visa application, how to manage your finance, job opportunities, culture shocks, scholarships and various tips and tricks for living abroad. Please do subscribe to this podcast, share this podcast with your friends, follow us on Spotify and on any platform you are currently listening to us and let us know what you think. Have a good listen. Thank you so much. So at the time of making this episode, between September and December 2022, there have been a jarring accommodation crisis in the UK and many international students have been through hell in the course of looking for an apartment. Some have been duped and scammed. Some have um, squatted with strangers. I know of a student who narrowly escaped rape as she put up with a guy temporarily. Some have spent heavily on Airbnb, some are sleeping in the school, library, and even in churches and outside the streets. And obviously, this would make studying very difficult for students. Apparently, there's a few reasons why this accommodation um, challenge is really um, glaring at the moment. Um, Some of the reasons include increased number of students arriving in the country to study with less accommodation available for them. There's also higher rent costs where landlords are making exorbitant demands and um, making too many demands from students before they can rent. Some landlords are asking students to provide guarantors who have lived in the UK for like 10 years. Some of them are saying students should bring like bank statements and a lot of crazy demands that students do not have at the moment of arriving in the country. Um, There are also cases where university accommodations are crazily overwhelmed, etc. So, um, however, in all of this, it is important to have certain knowledge and information handy when you're trying to secure an apartment. Um, so I've put these tips together to help people avoid issues and make better decisions when house hunting. So let's dive in. Looking for an apartment in London is like looking for a life partner. (laughs) They have very similar characteristics. 
um, you will see one with a good location, proximity to market, bus station, etc. But it has a tiny, tiny room. If you eventually find one with good size, the rent price will be enough to buy a land in your home country. If you say you should go for a shared apartment to save cost, you will see the one with too many flatmates from around like four to seven people living under one roof. It is crazy. And there's a high tendency of noise and discord. And I don't recommend this if you are a student. You will also see the one that has only one bathroom. So you have like seven flatmates sharing one bathroom. You literally have to queue to have a shower. You will also find houses where flatmates have pets. Um, the pets will be sharing the kitchen with you and walkway and even like the living room. And if you're someone like me who has phobia for animals, you are finished. <laughs> it is also um, it's just so difficult to find that one house, that one apartment that ticks all the boxes, um, especially if you're on a budget. For example, like you're looking for a good apartment with that is spacious, good location, size, um, fair enough price, no pets, not many flatmates. And all of these are in your box to be ticked. It is really hard to find one apartment that ticks all the boxes. However, if you can afford to pay, you can get your preferred choice. Mm, exhausting, right? Yeah, I know. Um, on the point of note, it is important to know that the UK houses are notably tiny, especially in London. Um, so prepare your mind if you are coming from a city where you have large apartments, because you're going to find the opposite in the UK. Um, now, let's dive into what you need to know when searching for an apartment. During my house hunting, there were some some of the things that guided my choices. Um, I went with the list during my viewings and literally read it out to the landlords, making sure that the apartment ticks all my boxes. And they were the landlords were really pleased to see me having those lists and you know coming prepared to view an apartment. Um, now, one of the first things you need to know when you are looking for an apartment is bills inclusive or not. So do you want an apartment that has all the bills inclusive or not? So by bills inclusive, I mean that in the in your in your rent bill, in your monthly rentage, you're going to pay include your bills. So whatever amount you're paying for your monthly house rent, that includes your bill. But non-bill inclusive means you're going to pay your bills separately. So your bills like electricity bills, um, council tax and all of that, you're going to pay it separately. Say, for example, if those bills amount like £50 or £100, you're going to pay it separately. And maybe your house rent is like £700, for example, you're going to pay that separately. So in total, um, you can say you're paying about £800 for your house rent. However, in the bills inclusive one, in your £700 rent or £600 rent, it includes your utility bill. But there's a challenge. Um, so if you are 
ask to provide like utility bills, for example, you can't provide receipts for it because you are paying it inside your um, house rent, um, which is bills inclusive. So if you ask to provide utility bills, you um, utility receipts or whatever, you really cannot provide it because the only receipt you have is your one-time house rent, which you're paying. However, if you're paying your bills separately, you can have access to the receipts, your council tax receipts, and um, all of the other electricity bills and everything you're paying. The second thing to look out for when looking for an apartment is heating. Um, so you need to find out where, when they have he- heating on and for how long. Um, so in like in some houses, they'll tell you the heating is on from like 6, 5 a.m. in the morning to about 12 or 11. Um, then in the evening, it is on from around 6 p.m. to like 9 p.m. or 10 or, or 12 midnight, depends. Um, and this is because, you know, electricity bills, I mean, energy bills in general are very expensive. And so I'm sure the owner of the house is trying to manage that. Or even you yourself, if you're living in the house, you, you if you don't really control how you turn on your heating and everything, your electricity cost is going to increase. And so this is why some landlords like to employ people that are um, professionals, for example, people who work nine to five. Um, so that in the morning, they've gone to work from like 9 to 5 p.m. They've gone to work, so they won't be at home to like turn on the heating or anything. So they are saving energy during those times. Whereas um, if you are maybe a work-from-home person or you just stay at home, you're most likely going to need the heating turned on because you'll be cold and everything. So um, you need to find out from the landlord before you rent the place when is the heating on how is the how is it done um because some people for example especially international students who come from maybe hotter countries or very humid places they are not really used to the cold so they want to leave the heating on and everything and the landlord you know might have the rules set for like turning off the heating and and, and you know you're going to be cold which is not good for you also, leaving your heating on, just, you know, leaving your heating on for a longer period of time is also not very healthy for you. So you need to keep that in mind and check that out when you're looking for an apartment. The third thing would be pets. Are pets allowed? C- can you deal with um, living with dogs and cats running up and down in the apartment? Personally, I am not a fan of animals. And so I think this year when I was looking for an apartment, um, a landlord told me, I did ask, and then she said to me that she has four cats and one one dog. I froze because I can't even survive with just having one cat around, just knowing that there's a cat in the house or like a dog or like an animal at all. Talk more of having four cats and um, a dog. And you, you can't stop them from going to the kitchen or from moving around. They have like freedom of movement, right? So um, this was a big turn off for me and I just had to let the apartment go. The fourth thing would be the number of current flatmates living in the apartment. So this is very important when you are getting a shared apartment, for example. Um, you want to have a clue of how many um, people are living in their house, 
Um, you want to know how many people you're going to be sharing the kitchen with, the living room, the bathroom. You want to know if there are seven or there are four. Um, you want to also keep that in mind. For me, I think my preference was looking for an apartment that didn't have more than two flatmates. In fact, like one is enough for me, which means that I'm looking for an apartment that is like a two bedroom where one person has a room and me, I have my room and we can both share the kitchen and the living room and everything. And this was a big deal for me because, you know, um, people are quite different. People have like different backgrounds and everything. You don't want to, you know, be in a situation where you're constantly having issues with people because you don't understand their personality or because they don't understand your personality. So it is important to find yeah less is more in this situation so that was very key for me and luckily for me I found an apartment that had just one flatmate and she's really sweet um she's Lithuanian and she's nice we both have our moments and things that we don't agree um together on however um, for the past couple of months it's been amazing I, I feel so grateful for finding such a person you know we don't have problems we do things together we know who did what and you know because it's just me and her because if there are seven people or like four I would be confused about who took this out or who is washing the bedroom ne next who's supposed to take the bin out whose turn is it to buy detergent or something like that so yeah it's it's just very good to have these things in mind as well the fifth thing is the number of bathrooms available. So in some apartments, you have like more than one bathroom. So if there are like four flatmates or seven or five, you know, three people can use one. Maybe the people upstairs can use one as well. So if at all you're going to go for an apartment where, you know, you have like up to four flatmates or things like that, you want to be sure that they have like more bathrooms because it's going to be a big mess if seven or four people are using one bathroom. Some people are not going to be willing to wash it or to tidy up or, or things like that. And so it is going to cause a big trouble. Um, and also you want to know how long you're going to have to wait to have your bath. Another important thing, number six, is the gender of the current flatmates. Are they all females? Are they all males? Or are they binary or non-binary and stuff like that? So you want to know the people you're sharing your apartment with. Do you like to live with, um, to live in an all-female apartment? Some landlords, they'll say females only. So they're not looking for male um, tenants. They just want to you know, give the apartment to females. And that was my case as well. My current flatmate who was living in the house before I joined her was female and Lano said she wants, he wanted only um, female as well. So that was one thing I I had in my, in my um, box as well. The seventh tip would be um, the landlord location. Is it a leave-in landlord or a leave-out landlord? For me, the latter was always my preference because... Well, some landlords are great though, but some landlords can be very, very, you know, monetary. Like, I would say like monetary spirit, like Nigerians will put it. So they'll keep an eye on you. If you keep your spoon there, they're going to tell you off. They're going to, you know, so there's a lot of challenge with like living with the direct owner of the house, monitor you and you, you're probably not going to feel very comfortable, you know, 
because you're going to feel like there's an eye on you and he's just there watching you, whatever mistakes you made and everything. Yeah, which he has he has all the rights to do, to be honest, because it is his house and he wants it to look in a certain way as well. So for me, I always prefer a leave-out landlord. So you want to think about that as well. Ask the landlord when you're looking for an apartment. Ask the landlord... Um, where does he live? Does he live in the apartment or does he live outside or elsewhere? Um, and some people would like to check the sexual orientation of the flatmates. If this is something for you, probably you can. Um, but yeah, it's not really a big deal. The ninth one is alcohol. Is alcohol allowed or is it prohibited in the apartment? There are some um, houses where maybe they are Muslims, for example, or... Um, they, ha- they are very religious or faith-based people and they have certain restrictions in like certain foods or alcohol. You can't take alcohol in the house or you can't keep it in the fridge or stuff like that. So you want to check that as well. Is alcohol allowed or not? The tenth one is the religion of the flatmates. This is not very important, but yeah, you might want to know where, you know, whether they are Christians or not, they're atheists or Muslims, you know, because yeah, just to, to keep keep that in mind. The 11th one would be any allergies because some houses don't allow certain foods, as I said, like pork, like cheese. Um, so you want to keep this in mind. You want to find find this out because if in a situation they don't, you know, eat pork or cheese or things like this, you will not be allowed to keep them in the fridge. And if you eat pork, for example... You know, you want to make pork stew or pork sauce or something like that. Where would you? You can't. You can't make it in the kitchen because there's a restriction there. You you really can't cook it. So you want to find this out. Ask if there are any allergies or any restrictions. Are you allowed to keep certain things in the fridge? Are you allowed to cook certain things um, because you don't want any surprises later? The twelfth one is visitors. Are visitors allowed? Some apartments they don't allow visitors. You know, if you have a visitor, you take them outside or somewhere, um, but they don't allow visitors. Also, I think I should share this story. So, so a friend of mine, um, she was living with a white girl and she's black, she's Ghanaian, right? So um, she had her brothers visit. So her brothers came to visit her in her apartment, in a shared apartment where she was living and they were all sitting in the living room um, and they were chatting. So three of our brothers, three of them, and the girl, the, the, the person who lived in the house, the flatmate. So, um, so they were just chatting, black, three black guys with the girl chatting and just, you know, doing their thing. The next thing she knew was that police came into the house and they were just like, you know, asking the guys, interrogating them and just asking them questions and stuff like that, only for her to find out that her flatmate, the white girl, had called the police. And guess the reason why she called the police? The reason was because she said she felt uncomfortable and unsafe with the guys, right? Um, Well, for me, I would say this is kind of racism because... I'm sure that if those guys were white guys, she's probably not going to call the police. She's not going to feel so unsafe. So why would you f- automatically assume that they are dangerous people, people visiting your flatmates that are even like her relatives? 
you're feeling unsafe, you didn't like, you didn't speak to your flatmate before, you just like called the police as if there were robbers inside your building. I felt that was unfair. That was very sad. My friend was, you know, crying and felt so, so um, bad for that experience. So yeah, um, you want to check if visitors are allowed and, you know, have a clue about that as well. The 13th tip is washing machine usage. So how often are you allowed to use a washing machine? Because it is, um, again, like in a shared apartment, how often can you put it on? Some houses, they say um, it's once in a week, like every Saturday. Some don't really mind, like my landlord doesn't really mind, so I can wash any time. But I always prefer to wash at the end of the week um, to save energy and stuff like that. So you want to know how often the washing machine can be used. The 14th tip is key to lock the room. This is very trivial and basic, but it is important to know if there is a key to lock your room. Because, you know, the way some houses have built, I've lived in an apartment like that before, where someone opened the door, you know, he, he well, well, he's the, he's a tenant in the house, right? So he came back home drunk that day and he went and opened another flatmate's door and they were sleeping. It was midnight and, you know, they were scared and everything. The white guy was like, was drunk. He didn't know what he was doing and stuff like that. So because those couple didn't have a key to lock their room, um, that was the reason why, you know, he was able to open. So I know some houses are built in like a family style, so they don't really have keys. So you want to also check that if your room has a key. Not after you have paid, you are now maybe chasing your landlord to come and put a key in your room or you didn't ask of something. So you need to find this out as well. Another very important thing, especially for me as a digital creator and for anybody really, even as a student, you know, everybody uses their phone, right? So one important thing is the network reception. Is it strong? I have a friend who, whenever she wants to browse or call somebody, you know, using the internet or something, I think she was using one of whether three or Vodafone or, or EE, something, one network like that. Whenever she wants to call someone, she would go to um, her kitchen window. That is where... <laughs> That is where the network is. And then in, in her room, she would have to stand up close to her wardrobe before she can be able to access a network or get like a stable network and things like that. So you want to check that with the landlord. How, what network, what Wi-Fi do they use and how strong it is? In fact, as you go for viewing, you know, try to connect to the Wi-Fi and see if you can figure that out prior to your making payment. Then the 16th tip is any curfew. Um, some houses, they say you can't come back home later than um, 11 p.m. or 12 midnight or things like that because some flatmates feel unsafe when, you know, anybody just comes back anytime. They don't know who is coming. They might be sleeping. They don't know if it's someone else entering the house. So you want to find out if there are curfew, late night curfews and what that is. The 17th tip is if it is a shared apartment, Ask how the cleaning is shared between the flatmates. So this is very important. I know some people don't really mind cleaning. They can clean the house alone, even though they are sharing it with people. They don't really mind. But you want to ask how it is done and how it is shared 
between the flatmate? Is it that one person cleans this week? You know, is he on rotation? You pass it to the next person the other week and stuff like that. Or, or do they have a cleaner who comes weekly to do the cleaning and stuff like that? So you want to very much find that out. Um, I don't know if to share this, but I'm just going to share it anyway. So I'm currently having the same issue with my flatmate. Although it's not a big issue because I feel like it's just a different understanding that we both have. So when I first moved into the apartment, my flatmate told me that, um, yeah, she cleans every weekend and she would like if I can clean after her as well. So when we use the gas, for example, when we finish cooking, we clean after ourselves. You clean the gas, whatever you spill, you clean it and stuff like that. But in terms of the bathroom, the walkway and every other, and yeah, the kitchen general cleaning, we do it weekly. So she cleans this week, I clean next week and stuff like that. But um, an issue arose that I felt like I didn't quite, it didn't sit quite well with me and I had to, you know, have a conversation about it with her. So the issue is that if I clean this week, you know, I clean maybe on Saturday or Monday, for example, um, and then the following week is our turn to clean. So instead of her to clean, most times she'll tell me, oh, she's traveling. So the fact that she's traveling means that she will not clean because she will not be around to use what she has cleaned. And for me, I felt like that is illogical, right? Because I have cleaned and you have used it. The fact that you've used it, you should be able to clean. Even whether you're traveling or not, it's your turn to clean. You should clean. So, um, But she doesn't see it that way. She, she, she says she's only going to clean for herself, clean when she is around um, to use it. So, um, yeah, it was, it's, it's, still, it's still something that we talk about because she still doesn't believe that she should clean. I believe that she should clean because she has used it. And whether you're traveling or not, you should still clean because I clean for you and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, find this out how often is the cleaning done and how is it shared between the flatmates another important tip tip 18 is location the proximity to bus station and train station and shops and things like this Um, it is quite difficult for some places if you don't own a car because you will have to take an uber to get to the bus or train station whenever you're going out which is not a wise way to spend money right so you are Maybe you're going to work, you're going to have to take an Uber because there is no bus from your place to the train station. Or, yeah, there's no bus to the train station or there's no, there are no buses at all, right? So for some places, that's why you see people get cars. It's not because they have too much money to spend. It's just because it is it is too much of a struggle to move around, to go to work or to to commute, so they just get a car. And if you cannot afford a car, it will be a challenge. So you want to check the proximity to bus stations. Are there bus stations around the place? Are there train stations? Are there shops where you can quickly buy something? Or do you always have to travel to go to the supermarket or the mall to get like one small thing? So it is important to have this in mind as well. The 19th tip is, are there any rules um, because I remember one landlord told me that I must be vaccinated before I can rent the place. So find out if there are any rules um, in terms of renting or whatever, in case they don't tell you. The 20th tip is contracts. 
Does it allow you to move out when you need to? Because some landlords will give you a contract where you can't pack out no matter what until you have lived there for up to a year or six months in some cases. In this situation, you are stuck. I remember the, after after a viewing, um, I quite liked the place and everything was, every other box was ticked. I liked the place and the landlord told me, oh, you can't move out until you stayed here for one year. And I'm like, what if something happens? What if maybe one of the flatmates is giving me a problem or what if I find somewhere I move jobs or things like that and I have to move closer to, closer to my job? Um, you, you know, so the rule for him was that you can't pack out until you've lived there for up to six and um, one year. So find out if this is the case, not after you've paid your rent and you're happy with where you're living and something happens, you're about to move out and they say, oh, no, sorry, you can't move out because blah, blah, blah. Tip number 21 is guarding. Mm, yeah, this is not very deep, but um, do you prefer houses with gardens or not? Ask if there are gardens in the house, you should also like take your time to view around the house when you go for viewing. So for me, I like like I like gardens. I like places where I can just, you know, during summer, I can make barbecues. I can go and have a seat and just chill. Maybe if my friends come, we can also sit outside. You know, it doesn't have to always be inside my room and things like that. So um, I always liked places with gardens. And luckily for me, my current place has a garden. So, yeah, check that out. Parking lot. Is there a free parking lot in the area or is it where you have to pay to park your own car in front of your house or within the neighborhood? So find that out as well. Um, yeah, so that will be all the tips um, in finding an apartment from me. Um, these are things that I learned based on my experience, based on what I've seen people go through and stuff like that. So I hope these tips helps you and I hope you find them useful. Another thing I would like to share is what some landlords request before renting out to tenants. So if you're an, an international student, um, these are some of the things that landlords would always request. I think I mentioned um, some previously, but some of them include guarantor. Um, so they will ask you to bring a guarantor, which most often is someone who has lived in the UK or within the country, you know, for 10 years or more. Um, the person must have a stable job, a stable source of income. In some cases, they even request the person's bank statement, which I genuinely feel that it is a bit of... It's a bit intrusive, you know, yeah, but I feel like they just want to know that you are able to, if you're unable to meet up with your pay, your payments, um, they can hold that person responsible. And they also want to be sure that that person is someone who can pay the bills. They are also going to ask the persons to provide um, a utility bill, um, their utility bills for like six months or whatever. And you are most likely going to be asked to pay a deposit so that if you damage anything in the house before you leave, they're going to use that your deposit to fix it or to replace anything that you've damaged. For some houses, the deposit is usually around 600, um, maybe like half of the rent. So if you're paying 600 pounds, your deposit could be around 300 or 400. Some landlords can be very, very funny. They will request for the same amount of rent, like 600 pounds deposit, while you pay 600 pounds rent. So 
it is a lot of money if you, you don't really you're not really buoyant um, financially. So these are the, some of the things that some landlords request before renting out to tenants. I said I was also going to share some areas to find um, relatively cheap apartments in London. I live in London, so yeah, I'm, yeah, most of the knowledge I'm going to be sharing will be based around London because this is where I have lived since I moved to the UK. Um, so some of the places would include, there are not very many, I, I've not, yeah, I don't really know a lot of places, but the few of them would include Barking. I know it is yeah, getting more expensive nowadays in Barking, um, but you can still find um, apartments in Barking for like 500 a month, shared apartment. Um, you can find um, maybe, f I don't know if you can find 400, but yeah, around that range is quite, you know, depends on where you look around. But Barking is quite cheap. Dagenham is also um, the same. So Dagenham and Barking are under the, under the London Borough of East London, right? I think if I'm correct, they are under East London. However, some, some people also categorize it as Essex, which is a bit outside London. But these are like the closest to London. If you work in London, you can, you know, live in Barking or Dagenham and you are still really good in terms of traveling and you'll not be paying too much to travel. Um, Ilford is also good. Ilford, in terms of prices, is relatively affordable. Um, Becton, I think I went for a viewing, a viewing there before, and it's quite okay. Um, you can get the DLL train from there to wherever you're going. And also, a quick tip here is that the DLRO, I think Dockland Railway Line or something like that, that's what it's called. The DLRO is only found in East London, so it's a, it's a, a rail service that runs only within East London. So you can't really find a DLRO in Barking or Dagenham, even though those, those places are still categorized as part of East London. Um, also, you can consider Kent. Kent is a good place as well. Um, not very far from London, but depends on how far in Kent you live. But Kent is also relatively affordable. Canterbury, I've heard that place before. Um, it's also a good one to leave. I think there is um, Croydon, there is um, Luton, there is Milton Keynes. All these places are relatively affordable and not very far from London in case you want to leave, you know, in the heart of England and you don't want to, you know, like travel too far or like leave those places. These places I just mentioned are kind of a bit inside London and outskirts-ish of London, um, but they are really very relatively affordable and good places as well. Also, some websites to consider when you're searching for an apartment in the UK would include um, spareroomscouk This was where I found my apartment myself. Um, it was very, very helpful. It has a lot of options. You can, you know, um, narrow it down to the area you are searching for. You can put in the postcodes and it shows you all the available houses um, for rent in um, that area. You can also find um, flatmates who are looking for other flatmates. Um, you can find someone who's looking for someone to share an apartment with or stuff like that. So um, yeah, you, he has a lot of options. You can put what you want, whether you want pets or you don't want pets. You can narrow it down to your budget if you have like 600 or 400 or whatever you have. I'm sure there is an apartment for you on sparerooms.co.uk. This is not an advert anyway. This is just something I've used and I am happy to share it with you guys. Another one, another good site to find um, an apartment in the UK is Zoopla. 
So it is spelled Z or Z, um, Z-O-O, P-L-A. Yeah, so if you type that on Google, I think you'll find it. It is Zupla, and um, you can also find um, good apartments there as well. Another one is Rightmove. I think it's rightmove.co.uk or something, but you can easily just Google that. I haven't used those ones, but um, they are certainly useful sites as well. Another one would also be, another good site would be um, Gumtree. Um, I know people who have found houses on Gumtree as well. And lastly, the Facebook Marketplace. Many people have found houses here as well on Facebook Marketplace. However, I have heard too many too many stories of scam and um, just people getting duped. People paying for houses and never getting to find it or never finding the people who they paid houses to or never getting to live in those places or even see what they've paid for. So you have to be careful when you are looking for an apartment. Um, it is good if you know someone, if you are moving to the UK, you know, you are still living abroad. If you know someone in the UK, you can just ask them if they can help you with finding an apartment, if they can help you with the viewings and things like that before you arrive. But also you need to understand that these people are working they are working, they have their own commitments. So if anyone is willing to help you, please don't take it for granted because it is a big deal to go for viewings in different places, to pay transport, to jump on the train. Because in the UK, you will come to understand that time is money. So if someone is willing to invest their time and do something for you, do something for you, even if they are your relative or you feel like they are responsible for that or they can't do that, don't feel entitled. They are devoting their time to helping you so please value it and even some some of them if they if they demand for money or say oh you can you will have to pay my transport to go for this viewing for you yeah don't don't see it as you know something bad some people really you know need the transport fare or those tiny supports that you can give to them to support you as well i hope this helps um this episode on accommodation in the UK. I hope you find it useful. I hope um, it benefits you. It, it, it helps you in making the right decision when you're looking for an apartment. And please let me know if you found it useful. Please share it with your friends. Share it on your social media. Follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Instagram at TIS Podcast, all in one word. Follow us on Facebook as well at The International Students Podcast. We have a page on Facebook and um, yeah, let us know what you think and thank you for listening. Bye.